he could look at one of us and see the ordinary things about us and bring out something extra. He could tell us that something was possible even when so many other people thought that it was not. And I think that the more we've gotten acquainted with life and history of Al Brooks, it makes perfect sense that he would be the one to change not only the face of Prince William County, but of so much of what opportunity means here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, because he's a man who has always dedicated himself to serving other people, whether it was in his service in the Army, his service in the federal government, or his service to his family and to his community. Al always put other people above himself. And one of my favorite parts uh, about getting to know Al Brooks was that when you met him, he had an extraordinary presence. Uh, he stood with a great stature. He was a man of substance. He was someone who you knew after you met him, life would be different in some way. But he also had a beautiful and mischievous smile uh, and a laugh. And you knew that when Al Brooks smiled at you and that when he laughed, firstly, he was thinking about something. He was plotting. He had a plan uh, for you and for what he wanted to see you do. But he also brought you in. He brought you into his circle. He brought you into his world. And he welcomed you. And I think that Al would get excited not only about people that he was able to meet, but he would be excited about all the people who would then meet that person because that's the impact and the force multiplier that an organizer like Al Brooks knew could change the world. And so we all have our stories of the first time that we met Al Brooks. We have our stories of being in the trenches with a man who you knew always would have your back. Someone who had a vision for a community, who was there equally when it was time to fight for those in the African-American community, but also all of God's children. Al was someone who saw the face of God in every single one of us. And I think that's why today, when you see the extraordinary diversity represented here among those not only in elected office, but those serving the community, it truly is a vision that reflects the purpose of Al's life. And I believe that he's smiling down today. I think that Al's looking at this gathering. He's honored, but he's a very humble man. He probably wouldn't want a lot of words said about him. But I do think that he would take particular pride in the fact that because of the life that he lived and the things that he fought for and the times when he knew that if no one else was to stand up, that he would be the one to have his voice be heard on behalf of others, we can all assemble here today, that we can have the impact that we're able to have in changing and improving the lives of so many other people. And so Al Brooks, I thank you on behalf of the Commonwealth of Virginia and all eight and a half million Virginians who have benefited from your life, from your vision, from your sacrifice, from the love that you've given to so many people. You're changing the course not only of this generation, but of many generations to come. And to the Brooks family, I thank you all so much for sharing such an extraordinary life and such an extraordinary person with every single one of us. There are children yet to be 
born who will benefit because Al Brooks lived. And I thank you all so much. God bless the memory of the great Al Brooks. Thank you all very much. All right. The assistant to the Secretary of the Commonwealth, Ms. Tracy J. DeShazar. So the Burks family, Reverend Lundy, all of our elected officials, a guest and friends, I say good afternoon. I'm Tracy DeShazer, Deputy Secretary of the Commonwealth of Virginia for Governor Northam. And it's truly my honor and my pleasure to be here today. I too have an Al Brooks story. I remember the first time I met him about eight or nine years ago. And here I am, a little girl from Danville, Virginia, stepping foot into the Prince William County. And everyone's asking me, well, have you talked to Al Brooks yet? Have you talked to Al Brooks? You gotta go meet with Al Brooks. So I did just that. I went and I met with Al Brooks. And he stood back. He had a way, you know, of looking over his glasses. And he looked over those glasses at me. He looked me up and down. He stood back one more time, gave me one more look over, and he said, all right. He sat me down, and I knew that by the end of that meeting, he had accepted me. He gave me the guidance that I need not only to organize in the area and build what I now consider lasting friendships here in the county. As I was driving over, I was reminded of a scripture. In fact, it's my favorite scripture, and I think it perfectly uh, really sums up Mr. Brooks, and that's Galatians 6, 9. Let us never grow weary of doing good, because in due time... And so I say to the family, I will echo what's already been said, and thank you for allowing us to be a part of your family. Thank you for sharing Mr. Brooks with us. Thank you for allowing him to share his wisdom and his guidance and his love and his kindness. We truly appreciate it. I leave you with a proclamation from Governor Northam. And I do want to read just one line. And it says, whereas Al Brooks was recognized for his service to his community for fighting racially motivated, unequal treatment of people, boosting black voter participation and fighting against injustice that would eliminate structural inequalities and inequities. That line truly captures the greatness of Mr. Brooks. And so again, I remind you all, let us not grow weary of doing good. Thank you. An extraordinary life. I would like to, at this point, bring to the podium the Honorable Hala Ayala, Virginia 51st District House Delegates, who will be followed by the Honorable Elizabeth Guzman, Virginia's 32nd, 31st District House of Delegate Representative. Ms. Ayala. Thank you, Mayor. I should say former Vice Mayor Tony. Let me just get myself situated here. I'll hold this very delicately. Good afternoon. Come on, brothers and sisters. If you knew Al, he'd come and get you. 
Good afternoon. There you go. You know, I'm so honored to be with all of you today, especially as Congressman Conley say, we mark the one year anniversary of civil rights leader and icon, John Lewis. Um, you know, I think Al planned it that way. He was an icon here and a civil rights leader and a contributor to all of us in some way, shape or form. Um, last night, as I was talking over with my staff and, you know, what story can I tell and which is what is a good story I can share with everyone about Al? Because I've got a lot and some I shouldn't tell in church, Pastor Lundy. So I'll tell the story of 2008 when I began my journey into politics.
We have Delegate Danica Roman. School Board, the Honorable Lori Williams. And at her side, representing also Prince William County School Board, the Honorable Billy Jesse. Um, um, all right, join me in welcoming a very significant part of our community. Good Reverend Cozy Bailey, President of the Prince William County NAACP. Oh, excuse me. I just, I just had a uh, Steve Harvey moment. <laughs> <laughs> Representative Elizabeth Guzman, please forgive me and my sister. Thank you, Mayor. <laughs> but let me start by um, afternoon. Let me, I'm Delegate Elizabeth Guzman, and I proudly represent the 31st District in the House of Delegates, which includes parts of Neapsco, the enterprise precinct, uh, where former Albrooks uh, used to live, Albrooks. So I would like to start by thanking um, Dr. Um, Reverend Charles Lang for hosting us today. Thank you so much. And for the organizing committee and the family for allowing me to say a few words. Thank you so much. Today, we are here to celebrate a life well lived to honor the late Al Brooks. I can't remember the first time I met Al Brooks. It was also during the Obama campaign in 2008, where I was knocking on doors trying to make history right here in this country. I knew the day that I had met someone special who truly cared about other people. And one thing that was very unique to the Neapsco Democrats under the leadership of Ernestine Jenkins, who is right here with us, we talk to every single voter right here in Neapsco. We don't talk to Democrats, we don't talk to Republicans. Our message is our message of progress, and we're going to engage everybody in this community. And that's how you see the representation of 80% Democrats right here in Neapsco. Three words that come to my mind when I think about uh, love, compassion, and dedication. It was hard to find a time where Al's love for the community wasn't abundantly noticeable. He knew how important it was to love your neighbor and make sure that he was always uplifting those around him. He knew that together with respect for all those around him, he could work to build a community that could bring Virginia forward. Al was our very own precinct captain for the enterprise precinct, which I proudly represent. It is a majority minority precinct where black and brown people are the majority of the population. In all of the conversations that I had with him, it was always clear to me that the only way that we can fight for a more equal society in Virginia, it was by uniting the voices of black and brown people. And he would tell me, this is how we got it done in Buffalo, New York. When black and brown people work together, we accomplish great things. He always embraced the Latino community and their contributions to Prince William County. He believed that we could only have a voice if we had a seat at the table. And he would say, we need to ensure we improve the lives of black and brown people. And the only way to do that is by ensuring we have elected officials that look like us. His compassion for the children in his neighborhood was unparalleled. He always wanted to ensure they felt empowered and could look up to elected officials that looked like them. And in 2017, 
He did just that right here in Prince William County when he elected the most diverse slate of delegates in Virginia's history. I will miss his one heart and his whispered promise that would say, we got you, sister. Alan understood the struggles of people of color and rightfully was a tireless advocate for voters and the Democratic Party. He was known for his dedication to the party and the voting process and for knocking on doors. He had a reputation for being the best dressed canvasser that you've ever seen, always in a clean three-piece suit. Al would always encourage early voting, and he manned the Prince William County DMV every day for 45 days straight, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I remember stopping by and bringing him something to eat or offering him to relieve him for an hour, but he always said no. He needed to ensure that he spoke with every voter coming to the DMV so they knew there was a Democrat on the ballot. He was a true ally and friend to all folks that came in contact with him. I can say confidently that his leadership and legacy will never be forgotten. All years of dedication and service to the community has transformed Prince William County for the better. In two short weeks, we'll be back in Richmond for a special session of the General Assembly and I'll be introducing a memorial resolution in honor of Al that we will present to you when we are adjourned. I'll be happy to stop by to your home to bring it to you, ma'am. This is the least that we can do for a man who dedicated his life to cheerful service, a life well-lived, a true champion for equality and justice. He'll, we will miss Al, but we know that he's looking over us in heaven. We're very proud to have our very own icon for civil rights and justice right here in Prince William County, Al Brooks. Thank you so much for having me. Let's try it again. <laughs> Join me in bringing to the stage a very significant cog in the in the Prince William County fabric, president of our NAACP, Mr. Reverend Cozy Bailey. Thank you, Vice Mayor Tony. Uh, good afternoon to Barbara and the Brooks family. Good afternoon to everyone here. I have a few remarks I'd like to make, but first I want to call your attention. You look in the program, next to the last page, a bunch of pictures. Look at the far right, bottom, second up from the right, I mean from the bottom. You see a picture of, of me and Al and Willie. And that's obviously, that was a stage picture, right? Okay, but, but I tell you, that was, that was uh, in the middle of a non-foyable conversation, just so, just so we understand that. And, and as we be, the three of us kind of began to dominate the conversation, uh, the, the photographer there said, stand up. I want to I put all of you together because you represent a lot for social justice activism in this county. And then I was told to stand forward. And, and of course, the person who told me to stand in the front was Al. And, they, you know, we've already talked about how Al would look over his glasses, you know, and he said, Reverend Bailey, you stand up front because you got the mantle right now. You know, and it's just another example of Al leading from the front. I mean, excuse me, from the back. And, and what also is very poignant to me about that picture is because there are two men in this county who reminded me so much 
of a stalwart in my life. I'm sorry. My father-in-law, John Earl Pullman, who my wife constantly says back and forth, you know, Willie Tony remind me of daddy. Or Al Brooks remind me of daddy. And there I was in a picture with both of them. That meant so much to me. Al Brooks operated at what I call the intersection of politics and activism. You know, and he did it so well, so smoothly. Some people didn't realize what he was doing. You know, they say, why is there an African-American Democratic committee and an African-American Democratic club? I say, the reason is, is because I want to be beside whichever way it needs to be at any particular time. And, you know, I kind of picked that up and I understand that. And so that's why some of y'all see me sliding back and forth between politics and social justice activism and operating at the intersection because it is so important. Al, as we've already said, was able to generate respect and, and, and a following among so many different people. I mean, look at what we got here today. We got the baddest Democratic congressman in the Commonwealth of Virginia sitting with us. We got the current, come on now, and the future Lieutenant Governor of the Commonwealth. And all these other people. See, that's the kind of power that Al had. Al asked me in, in 2015, I think it was, he said, Reverend Bailey, you running around here doing all this stuff in the community. You need to do some more work with the NAACP because I think we all know Al's, you know, long-term history with the NAACP. And it was because of Al that I said, okay, I am going to do that. And he said, and I said, you're going to be there with me? He said, I'll be in the background pushing you on. He, he, he sat me down and, and he told me, as he told many of you, about the training that he received from A. Philip Randolph. And he brought that home about how we need to study the laws, okay, and then do our activism based upon those laws. Al believed in the, in the concept of the NAACP. Al told, would tell me all the time, he said, we need to focus on and continue to fight for the political, economic, social, and educational rights for all people. But Al talked about, primarily, I'm about black people first. And, you know, and that's the way Al was. But Al also believed that a rising tide floats all boats. That's kind of why you see Mike visit with him all the time, right? Let me, let me tell you, let me, let, me, let, me, let me just stop right here because I want to read you something. Um, when, I, when I think about what I'm going to say in public, I go to three sources. The primary one is the Holy Bible. The second one is my spouse. And the third one is Maya Angelou. There were two poems that she wrote that I kept going back and forth, back and forth. Which one exemplifies Al the most? And I got to this one. I'm going to read you just a couple of stanzas. You may write me down in history with bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I rise. Does my sadness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and suns with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still, I rise. Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise. I rise. Al Brooks rose. For the Brooks family, 
a framed copy of a certificate that proclaims Al Brooks as a charter member of the Prince William NAACP Social Justice Hall of Fame. God bless you. Thank you, thank you. Give him another hand, please. Now, I will take a point of personal privilege, do a couple of things here. First of all, when I look over here and I see every seat filled, again, that's a testament to Al. These individuals, some of these people were notified back here. We've been start, we started on this, putting this together back in February. As you see, this is quite a protracted campaign. But the folks that agreed to come and participate, they stayed the coast. They're here with us. Thank you all. Please join me in giving them a hand. The leadership of Prince William County. Thank you all. Again, impacted by one Al Brooks. I'd also, at this point, like to, uh, there were a couple other people that joined us. It was already here. Uh, the Honorable Lisa. Forgive me. <laughs> Zargarpu. <laughs> the Honorable Kenny King. The Honorable Vice Mayor Monet Nickerson. Council Money. The Honorable Brian Fields. Town of Dumfries. And if there are others, I'm sure that somebody will get me the information. <laughs> oh, yes, and one other person that bears recognition because of their longstanding work in this, in this county, we have with us today Ms. Ernestine Jenkins. I'm quite sure that uh, Brother Tony is going to uh, acknowledge you more uh, as the uh, evening progresses. Um, it's a rare treat that you get to hear from uh, members of uh, Mr. Brooks' family. I mean, they're, they're outstanding people. They're reserved in how they conduct themselves, but nevertheless, just outstanding people that uh, we look forward to hearing from. So we're going to bring up uh, Mr. Anton Brooks to talk a little, make some comments about his father. Now, I also would like to know if Mr. and Mrs. Fletcher, would you also like to come stand by uh, Mr. Brooks as well, since you are up next right after him? How you doing, man? Good, good. All good right. to see you again. Good to see you too. Right. Hello, everybody. Amen. So I got some stories I like to tell about my dad. And some of the stories that you haven't heard before, you know, you guys work with them, but these are stories that happened behind the scenes, mostly before you guys knew them. Um, but the first thing I want to do is uh, read a scripture. Ephesians 6.1, um, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, honor your father and mother. So before I talk about my father, I'd like to say a couple of things about my mother. So in light of what I just said, I just want you to take a few minutes to acknowledge my mom. 
in the final years of my dad's life, he always repeated that it was the best thing he ever did in his life to marry my mom. So he would be remiss if I didn't say something about my mother. But when, when my dad was in college, it was my mother who edged him along and encouraged him to be a good student, to be a leader, not only in the home, but in the community. And at school, as you know, when he was in high school and in college, he led programs that were for civil rights and to help everybody. Beyond that, um, when my dad got, uh, <laughs> when my dad uh, began to work in the community or travel, my mother was the one who held down the house. Uh, there were times on Saturday morning where the three of us, the three kids, had to be in three different locations to play sports at the same time. I don't know how she did it, but somehow she managed to get us all to our respective fields to play whatever sport we were <laughs> indulging in that day. Um, she was our teacher, she was our comforter, and yes, she was our taskmaster, um, which is not a bad thing because she helped enforce that hard work, honesty, and humility are virtues to strive for. And when my dad would return home from his investigations because he would travel around investigating civil rights um, accusations and, and complaints that happened all over the country, as far as Alaska to Florida to California, anywhere where there was injustice, my dad would go. When he got home, my mom would pick him up from the airport. And usually I was there with her because I was a little guy, so she didn't know. And um, she would help uh, gather all of his information and sit down and, and help outline his reports that he was going to submit. So my mom was there all the way, every step. And this day um, that you are commemorating my father, um, I just thank you guys for reaching out to my mom and lifting her up, praying for her, calling her, bringing food to the house, <laughs> stopping by with flowers. It's really been encouraging to me and my brother, who's here also, my brother Albert, and my sister who could not be here, who's teaching in China. Um, we're very thankful for everything that you've done to honor my father. Um, my father called my mom Babs for Barbara Ann Brooks. And I call her mom, just like my rest of my siblings. And we just want you to know that we all thank you for everything that she's done. So as many of you know, my dad was, <laughs> my dad had no fear, let's just put it that way. And actually this is a side, I didn't write this down. I just realized this this morning. I was talking to my wife, Mary over here. And I was realizing how much I am like my dad. I got my lack of fear from my father and I got my patience from my mother, which I definitely did not get from my father because he was not patient. He wanted things done, as you guys know. The day I met my wife um, officially, I was supposed to go to the movies with some friends and you know, um, it was five of us. It was two couples and me. I was like, there's no way in the world that I'm going out with two couples. It was a long time ago. And one of the guys who was my friend said, well, why don't you take Mary? And I had seen Mary before and I was all about that. So I was like, okay, where can I find her? <laughs> so he literally told me how to get to her house. We lived in Dell City and we all knew Dell City very well. So he told me how to get to her house. And I drove over there and knocked on the door and her father answered. And I said, is your daughter home? And he said, uh, who are basically he looked at me like, who are you? <laughs> so eventually Mary came to the door and she was like, um, well, I can't go out to the movies with you tonight. Yeah, but, you know, we ended up meeting later again, and obviously we're married today, over 20 years later. But I realized today in talking to Mary, that, that story seemed strange just to go knock on a strange woman's door and ask her to go on a date. But then I realized that after being with my father for so long, that it just seemed normal to me to have no fear to walk up to a stranger's door and knock on it and ask for something. So, <laughs> that wasn't a part of my notes. I just thought of it this morning. 
Um, in the 1960s, my father was appointed by the uh, office of Governor Nelson Rockefeller of New York to head the Buffalo plan. This, um, so I'm not going to look at my notes, I'm just going to talk. So the one thing that was odd about this is that there really was no plan. You know, it hadn't really started yet. There really was no organization. So after my dad was appointed, at some point, they received a letter in the mail from the office of Nelson Rockefeller. So I would imagine that my parents thought, okay, well, this is some paperwork and re related to the new position that he got. So what it was, was a check. And the check was so that he could take it to the bank and start this organization. Now, the check was for over $3 million, and it was written in his name. So that was a shock. I don't know about you, but if I received a check from the government written in my name for $3 million, which is $25 million today, I would be terrified. So, but he took the check, he went to the bank, he started a bank account, started the corporation or the LLC, he got the building, he hired the people, he surrounded himself with the right people to make things happen. The thing he didn't know how to do, he went and found people who didn't know how to do that. And the whole reason for this was that, so that minorities could have a place in Buffalo because they were being excluded from the unions and they were being excluded from the high paying trade positions. So they started the program and once the people, the men were going to the program to be trained, there was a part that was school and there was a part that was on the job training. And if my dad found out that you were not going or doing your schoolwork or you were not showing from work, he literally got in his car and he showed up at your doorstep. He'd knock on the door and he would call that person out and he would tell them, not in a bad way, but he would tell them that we have a responsibility as African-Americans and minorities to take advantage. We've been fighting for this for a long time and we do not want to ruin this for the people who are behind us. He did not only just talk to that person, he talked to the family and he encouraged them to encourage that man to go to work, to go to school, so that these opportunities would continue to grow for the people in Buffalo. All right, that's that one. So another thing is, I, I procrastinated on writing something down. I've been thinking about this for months. So, I, and the reason why I was procrastinating it, and, and Pastor Bailey, Reverend Bailey Oman got me when you, you know, when you, when you start, because I've been saying, okay, I'm gonna get up there and I'm not going to, I'm gonna make it through this thing. And when you, when you started to, I almost got me. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so to continue, so this morning I went to my mother's house and said, "Mama, I know what I want to say," and I told her what it was, but I actually wrote some notes this morning. And I was procrastinating because there's so many opportunities and so many stories that I have that I had a very difficult time on trying to decide on what I wanted to say about my father. I'm almost done. In the mid-1980s, my dad was the president of the Delta D Sports Club and the local chapter of the JC. It's actually when I met the Jenkins family um, when I was a little boy. Uh, regarding the sports club, uh, my dad was passionate about getting boys and girls in, of all ages into constructive activities. I mean, he would literally drive around in the street and see kids and say, I need to talk to your parents so you can get off the street, and he would get them into sports. Um, one day, while he was canvassing the neighborhood, he was, I believe he was raising money for one of the programs, or he was doing something in regard in, in regards to one of the programs he was with. He came across a woman's house. He knocked on the door, and the woman answered the door, and she was telling my dad that her husband had just left her, and she didn't have any money, and um, she had some kids. And at that moment, when my dad was there, she was making popcorn for the kids because she didn't have any money or food. I mean, he literally left and left her with nothing. There was nothing that she could do. So... 
The next part of the story is um, my dad, my mom comes into the kitchen and my dad is in the kitchen taking food out of the cabinets. So my mom, of course, inquires, what are they doing? What is she doing? So she helps them get the food together. They take the food, they give it to the woman. The next day they go to the grocery store and get some more food. Then my dad uses resources in the community to get other people to, able to assist her ongoing. This is just like one chapter out of the book of stories that my dad um, that I witnessed my dad do. This was constant all throughout my whole life. He was always helping people. And the interesting thing is, is that he didn't qualify the person. He just saw a human in need. What I mean by he didn't qualify the person, he didn't care if they were black or white. This actually was actually, this was actually a white woman. He didn't ask if they were a Democrat or Republican. He didn't ask if they were a Christian or not. He saw a person in need and he reached out and he did what he could to help solve the issue. That's just who he was. Although he was very passionate, don't get me wrong, he was very passionate about civil rights. But it went beyond that. It went beyond that just to helping people. And I think that's why he was so effective, because he understood the big picture. Somebody up here said that my dad fought for the rights of all people, and that's the way I saw it growing up. And lastly, um, the last example that my father gave me is when he was in the hospital. He was in uh, tremendous pain when he was in the hospital. He was suffering greatly. And it was very difficult for my mom and my brother and I to go into the hospital and see him this way. When we got off the elevator and we turned the corner, we can hear him calling out from down the hallway because he was in so much pain. He wasn't calling out, you know, for help in the sense that he wasn't calling to the nurses. He was calling out to God. He was calling out to Jesus Christ. And as we prayed with him and we ministered to my father, you know, we were comforted in the fact that he had accepted Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And we knew that we would see him again one day on the other side of life. Um, one thing I, that I wanted to share about that right there is that witnessing my father in these last hours reconfirmed to me to put Christ first so that the Bible may be the lens of our worldview, first and foremost, that God's words instruct our actions and not our temporary attributes of our human condition. Politics are important. We have to live in this world. Economics are important. We have to live in this world. People are important. We have to live in this world. But none of those things are the method to, to salvation, only by Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Do we have the grace to be with our Lord and Savior for eternity? Shortly before Christ breathed his last breath, the Gospel of Luke chapter 23, 34 says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's how I want all of us to live. You know, as we go out and represent people, you know, a lot of elected officials that we remember that, you know, we have somebody who is our Savior and that we should look through the lens of the Bible as we make all of our decisions, whether in politics, whether in work, at home, Whatever. I, if you haven't guessed, I am a Christian. And I do believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. In closing, we just, as a family, we want to thank you for honoring my dad, for honoring my mother, and just loving him. And appreciating the things that my father has done, not only for you guys, but for hundreds and thousands of people over many decades. Thank you very much.
Good evening. I'm Vera Fletcher, and this is my husband, Emmett Bill Fletcher. So we have a little different story to tell you about Al Brooks. As a young couple moving to Prince William County in 1979, we wanted a house. We had jobs, but we didn't have any money. So there was a there was a newspaper. It was called the Washington Star. And if I remember correctly, uh, we were at a 7-Eleven. We lived in Dale Forest Apartments. And so Al was there with a group of young uh, kids, boys and girls. And um, we started a conversation. As most of you all know, Al was very sociable and we're sociable. And so he said, um, we told him where we was from and what we wanted to do. He said, well, if you're willing to put in the work, I have a part-time job for you. We heard him, we met with him, and we decided to take this challenge on. Let me tell you, even today, it was still a part-time job. So the goal was that we were gonna give six months to raise uh, $5,000 for down payment on our first house. Well, in three months, we had raised that $5,000. Those young men understand what I'm talking about. Afternoons, two days a week, we would go out with a group of young kids that we would interview and meet in the community with the trust of their parents. Al would go, he showed us what to do, and we would go and meet their parents. I met John Hopper that way. His son, Mark Hopper, became part of our team to go out on Saturdays and, and two afternoons after school. I don't remember the exact amount of money, but the kids were making like three or $4, and we were making like $6 per sale. So yes, Al knew about knocking on doors even before he started uh, the pop political world here in Prince William County. So we trained the children, and the world today, we cannot even consider doing something like that. But I can say those months of working with him, uh, none of our children got hurt, nobody was injured, and we had a lot of fun. So we got our money to get into our first house. So the journey with us continued with Al uh, in um, about 2000, whatever year it was, I can't remember now. But we, Joe and I uh, worked with Miss Andrea Bailey and we together registered over 2000 people to vote approximately here in Princeton County. That was at the DMV in Manassas. holding down the fort with Mike here and others here and Mr. Jesse and um, Woodbridge and we would be in Manassas. And again, that was a lot of fun that summer. And Al saw something in us. We didn't know how God was going to use us. And from time to time, we would see Al in community. It's not like we were best friends or visit each other often, but we were always happy to see each other and was always words of encouragement and inspiration. So as my husband had this journey to get the school named after Dr. George Hampton, we reached out to Al and told him what we were doing. And he was there and worked beside us, side by side, and encouraged us. And he said uh, to both of us, he said, you know what? This is a change that's going to come here in Princeton County. He said, this is much bigger than you. It's much bigger than Joe. It's much bigger than the community to see. He said, this is going to be a time 
this this gonna propel this community in the direction this community needs to move. That was part of the conversation that he had with us. And you know, I'm blessed to say that witness uh, what he had a vision for to see our seats at the table, as he would say. And I'm glad that I have lived long enough to see that vision become a reality. So I would just like to say, I just truly think and uh, honored that the Lord allowed me to be here today because I told Barbara I had another commitment to be at it, uh, 345. I didn't think I was going to make it. But I'm honored to be here uh, to be with Barbara uh, and uh, her family. And uh, just thanks everybody for uh, being a, uh, allowing Al to be a part of our lives where he's made an impact. But truly, Al allowed us to get in our first house. I tell you, after Anton spoke and then my wife spoke, I don't have too much to say. But I, I do want to talk about this with Al. Al was a super, super person. Um, I also uh, used to meet Al at 7-Eleven uh, and the uh, giant open air on Dale Boulevard in Miniville. Al was super smart. He influenced a lot of people, especially with that Dale City Sports Club. And I would hang out with him some. And I never forget we were at 7-Eleven. I think it was on on Dale Boulevard, and it was a kid. And of course, Al, you know, he was looking for people for the Washington Star. This is 1980. The kid was crying. It's like, man, what you gonna do, Al? It, little boy said, I don't have enough money for a baseball glove. I said, what? Al said, we got to get that kid a glove. I said, oh man, I'm out here trying to hustle and get a down payment for my house. <laughs> and about three or four days later, we got invited to the game. And the kid had a baseball glove. He had a ground to hit to him on second base. The ball went between his legs, went all the way to the outfield. The batter ended up scoring a home run. I said, Al, man, that glove didn't help the kid. He said, but yet he's on the team. So that's what kind of person Al was. Al always wanted a person to be on the team. He worked with Governor Rockefeller in New York and did a tremendous job in New York. Then he came down here to the D.C. area. Thank God that he came down here because at that time we needed someone like Al Brooks. At that time, a whole lot of us didn't look like we do today here. All right. It's like when you saw a person black or brown, you would walk up and shake their hand because we weren't here. And Al said, that's going to change. He said, that's going to change. And then in the year 1990, Al came back again, worked with L. Douglas Wilder, become the first African-American governor in the country. And I mean, he worked hard. And the Honorable Doug Wilder really appreciates uh, what he did. And always, when I talk to Governor Wilder, who is a friend brother, Omega Sapphire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he always asked about Al. But I know, you know, uh, Anton and, and my wife, they've been speaking. I don't want to take up too much time. But Al was just such a super person. And Mrs. Brooks, we want to thank you for all the time that you gave Al to the community. We really appreciate it. We love the family. And that's why we're here today with all the dignitaries and other people. I mean, 
we got dignitaries in the audience. We haven't called their name yet, but I'm sure Vice Mayor Tony is going to do that. But Al, when we all make transition and leave this earth, I can see Al Brooks up in heaven with a bow tie and his suit with a clipboard. And as we get to heaven, Al said, come on in. What's, what is your name? I want you to have a seat at the table. Al Brooks. And we are celebrating an extraordinary life, remembering a remarkable man. I pause a minute. There's a couple other people who we need to acknowledge that are with us today. Uh, one of my favorite people, the Honorable Salonia Miles, from Dumfries, Council Lady from the town of Dumfries. That's where everybody attributed my vice mayorship to be, but actually the vice mayor of uh, Dumfries is Miss Salonia, I mean Miss Monet Nickerson, and she's in the building also. Uh, we have Miss Tanya James, chairperson of the Prince William County Democratic Committee. I am told we have Mr. Keith Scarborough, who is I think a member of the election board I remember that too. <laughs> and also, I think we all should uh, give a hand to a, another trailblazer, individual who stand and we stand on his show, the first honorable, the first school board member, the honorable George Hampton. Thank you, Mr. Foreman, for going, Mr. Hampton, for going forward first. I think, are you the one that had the school name now? Yeah. yeah. They just had the school name. Hey, again, school name now. And you know, too bad, too bad. Um, I think, and I'm just putting this as a seed, you know, since I got the mic, you know, so, you know, get the mic, you can do some things. So I would suggest to this honorable school board, as you go through your tenure as members on that board, and y'all see that the need for some elementary schools to be built in some new communities, do you consider Mr. Albert E. Brooks' name across one of the front of those schools? I think <laughs> that would be appropriate. And I would shift that over to the county board of supervisor representatives too. As these communities continue to be developed and streets are being paved and named, you consider adding the name of Albert E. Brooks to one of these new streets in the future. Just, just, just saying, just saying, just saying. <laughs> oh, wow. When you got the mic, you can take liberties. <laughs> I got a flag on it. <laughs> Okay, well, listen, at this point, ladies and gentlemen, we like to take a few minutes. We're going to ask for your attention to be focused on the uh, screen here. We have a, a video that speaks volumes to all that we have been talking about before. And this is sort of like the halftime of the show. We got to speed it up a little bit, I'm told, because uh, 
you know, we, we are kind of running behind the time now. So the next delegates, we might have to cut your time down to three minutes. <laughs> please start the uh, video, please. While we are waiting for the difficult, the technical difficulties to be resolved, um, I'd like to share with you my Al Brooks story. I met Al in 68, excuse me, in 08. You know, um, and he made it clear to me that uh, he wasn't happy with what was going on in the community and we shared that. So we embarked on trying to make some changes in this community. And Al took the leadership. I was like his sidekick, but we was able to, with the help of quite a few other people, because he, 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 he was a magnet like that. So again, as people have spoken, I'm trying to, Here we go. Albert Earl Brooks Sr., affectionately called Al, in his community was a lifelong civil rights activist in the struggle for racial equality, social and economic equity, and voting rights. He was born in Tabor City, North Carolina, and raised in Buffalo, New York where he received a bachelor's degree from the University of New York, and he served his country in the United States Army. Al served as the executive director of the Buffalo Affirmative Action Program with the A. Philip Randolph Institute. The A. Philip Randolph Institute is a Black labor civil rights organization founded by his mentor, A. Philip Randolph. The program he oversaw was designed to train African-American men who were previously denied employment in the trades industry and push for desegregation of labor unions in New York City. Hello to everyone. I'm Supervisor Andrea Bailey, and I am a member of the Al Brooks Fan Club. I want to take this opportunity to really focus on Al's memory. I met Al in the fall 
The day after my birthday, I had breakfast with him at the IHOP on Smoketown Town Road, and we sat and we talked about the future of Prince William County. Al was a good friend of my dad's. They were in the civil rights era together. They helped the unions together in St. Louis, Missouri. And so I looked upon Al as a resemblance or a partner, a collaboration with my dad, doing the good work, fighting the good fight. Al's character was one of what you see is what you get. And what you got from him was true dedication, strong determination, a man of conviction, man who loved his family, but from that extension, a man who loved his community. So I'm honored to be called one of Al Brooks's friends. I'm honored to be the protege, to be the product of Al Brooks and the hard work that he committed to our community here in Prince William County to assure and to make sure that the best of the best was elected in this community, that the best of the best was stood up to collaborate with constituents within our community. Al's character was one that believed in the people. He believed in the people. He believed in the minority community. He believed in his people. But most of all, Al believed in collaborating for the good of all people. Al worked for me in 2018, conducting voter registration. And because of his leadership, we were able to register 10,000 constituents within Prince William County. I believe that's it, right? On the video? Uh-huh. All right, we're gonna go ahead and move along. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up two individuals, Honorable Margaret Franklin, Woodbridge District, Prince William County. I'm sorry. Oh, you got the poetry. Ah. Thank you. Correct. I think it's appropriate at this point to call call an audible. And uh, Mr. Tony, I'm gonna let you bring up your good friend here. Albert Earl Brooks Sr., affectionately called Al, in his community was a lifelong civil rights activist in the struggle for racial equality social and economic equity, and voting rights. He was born in Tabor City, North Carolina, and raised in Buffalo, New York, where he received a bachelor's degree from the University of New York, and he served his country in the United States Army. Al served as the executive director of the Buffalo Affirmative Action Program 
with the A. Philip Randolph Institute. The A. Philip Randolph Institute is a black labor civil rights organization founded by his mentor, A. Philip Randolph. The program he oversaw was designed to train African-American men who were previously denied employment in the trade industry and push for desegregation of labor unions in New York City. Hello to everyone. I'm Supervisor Andrea Bailey, and I am a member of the Al Brooks Fan Club. I want to take this opportunity to really focus on Al's memory. I met Al in the fall, the day after my birthday. I had breakfast with him at the IHOP on Smoke Time Town Road, and we sat and we talked about the future of Prince William County. Al was a good friend of my dad's. They were in the civil rights era together. They, they helped the unions together in St. Louis, Missouri. And so I looked upon Al as a resemblance or a partner, a collaboration with my dad, doing the good work, fighting the good fight. Al's character was one of what you see is what you get. And what you got from him was true dedication, strong determination, a man of conviction, man who loved his family, but from that extension, a man who loved his community. So I'm honored to be called one of Al Brooks's friends. I'm honored to be the protege, to be the product of Al Brooks and the hard work that he committed to our community here in Prince William County to assure and to make sure that the best of the best was elected in this community, that the best of the best was stood up to collaborate with constituents within our community. Al's character was one that believed in the people. He believed in the people. He believed in the minority community. He believed in his people. But most of all, Al believed in collaborating for the good of all people. Al worked for me in 2018 conducting voter registration. And because of his leadership, we were able to register 10,000 constituents within Prince William County. And so I'm proud again to be a part of the Al Brooks Fan Club. We will miss him. We will miss his goodness. We will miss his wisdom. We will miss Al's ability to make us all stand because that's what he stood for. So, Ms. Barbara, we love you. You will always be a part of our family. And I am so thankful that I had an opportunity to, to walk across the path of Al Brooks. Thank you, Al. God bless you. Well, we... <laughs> So we got a double dose of Supervisor Bailey. As, as uh, often happened, a little difficulty with the, um, the feed, the gentleman said that it was coming in and out. So we will be moving on. Um, at this point in the program, we would like to bring forth Ms. Jessica Williams. She will be gracing us with a poem. Um, good afternoon, everyone. 
um, yeah, um, <clears throat> as you know, um, I'm here to um, recite a poem called Gray Roads. Um, this poem is to walk us through the journey that we have um, we have gone through as a people, as African Americans, from when we first brought from when we were first first brought here as slaves to today, to the Black Lives Matter movement today, as we are trying, we are continuing to combat the inequality and the injustices that are continuing to um, be inflicted upon our people. So <clears throat> this is called Gray Roads. <clears throat> Gray Roads, tangled and unpaved, its cracks become ravines as they unload us from the boats like cargo and drag down this and drag us down this rocky path by the tails of our chains. And we march naked and barefooted, feeling loose dirt and pebbles cutting into our flesh. Dust and blood take our bodies like a second layer of skin. Our heads hang heavy as the shackles on our wrists and ankles. And still we move forward. As the sun beats down on our ebony backs and sweat wells from our pores, we walk when our heads swim and our knees start to give. And as our starved bodies shudder at every crack of the whip, and though this weapon they wield over us has broken our flesh, we know deep down that it will never break our spirit. Gray roads, tangled and unpaved, its ravines start to fill with pieces of the steep brinks that crumble under the heat of our fire, sending its pieces into the dark. We march across Alabama, feeling the edges of cardboard scrape the palms of our hands as it shivers in the wind, screaming the words, we shall overcome, even when it's tainted with the blood of our people as we are beaten and beaten in an endeavor to extinguish our fire, to diminish us to flesh and bone. We rise on tired feet, resilient, emboldened, and we march and march and march till that cardboard screaming, we will overcome, becomes a filled ballot. Gray roads, tangled and unpaved, the ravine's brinks grow steeper, and our fire rages down the streets of LA, swallowing every structure in its wake. From the huts of the parking center to the stores lining J.J. Newbury, and we feel the ground shake with anger as the justice we've sought for hundreds of years was once again denied. Gray roads, tangled and unpaved, its ravines become gullies as we march burning away the darkness with our fire, cracking the silence with the words, Black Lives Matter, as we weep for the young men and women, boys and girls, who've been taken from their mothers. We shatter the stone-cold quiet with our heated battle cries, and though our oppressors, armed with mace and tear gas, fight to blind us, to keep us in darkness, we still see the faces of our fallen, crystal clear, burning like the fire in our spirits. And on tired legs, we march these gray roads, tangled and unpaved, as the edges of, this ravine, of these ravines close together till they're cracks. Down this road, we march, 
crying out at the top of our lungs, Black Lives Matter, no justice, no peace, power to the people, we shall overcome. And our fire burns away the darkness for our fallen old and young fathers and children, for the people, for our people who'd been dragged down this road in chains, for the people who bled on this road for a minister's dream. We march and march and march down these tangled and unpaved gray roads. Thank you. Thank you. We invite the Honorable Margaret Franklin, Woodbridge District, Prince William County Board of County Supervisor, and the Honorable Victor Angry, the APSCO Board of County Supervisor. Good afternoon. We also want to invite our uh, other Democratic colleagues, uh, Chair Ann Wheeler and Supervisor Andrea Bailey. And as a disclaimer, this is not a meeting and we will not be discussing public business. In case anybody wants to sue. <laughs> to the family, thank you for allowing us to honor uh, Al Brooks. He helped get all of us elected. We worked tirelessly. He sat us down, gave us advice, um, put us in our place when we needed to be put there. And I just really um, thank you all for uh, giving him to us. Also want to thank Pastor Lundy for allowing us to, to be here today in the organizing committee. Very quickly, I'll just read through the proclamation and then turn it over to Supervisor Angry uh, for some comments. Whereas Albert Brooks was committed to public service and to ensuring that all residents of Prince William County who are eligible and want to vote can vote. Whereas Albert Brooks labored tirelessly in many positions that empowered the minority community, women, veterans, and the disabled with the Joint Apprenticeship Program and Project Justice, Buffalo Affirmative Action Plan, the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Virginia Department of Transportation, and the U.S. Department of Labor. And whereas Albert Brooks served as the Executive Director of the A. Philip Randolph Institute, and whereas Albert Brooks was known by many in Prince William County for his work canvassing neighborhoods to get out the vote, passing out sample ballots at the polls on election day, leading the voter outreach efforts at the DMV with voter registration campaigns and promoting candidates running for office. Now, therefore, be it resolved, Supervisor Margaret Franklin, Chair Ann Wheeler, Vice Chair Andrea Bailey, Supervisor Victor Angry, and Supervisor Kenny Bodie would like to acknowledge Mr. Albert Brooks as having been an outstanding community leader and advocate whom we will always cherish and dearly miss. Thank you. You know, back kind of stiffed up when I hit the stairs. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Victor Sean Angry, and I stand before you as a result of the tireless efforts of Mr. Al Brooks as the first African-American elected to the Prince William Board of County Supervisors. I, I use the term black man because I grew up my whole life as a black man. And, uh, you know, I, I want people to know that uh, Mr. Al Brooks and what he represented was black people. Let's 
Let, let's make no mistake about that. And I want to say to the Brooks family, Mrs. Brooks and Brooks family and friends here, uh, I will never disrespect the integrity nor the legacy of that, the great man, Mr. Al Brooks. Mr. Al Brooks believed in me. And how do I know this? Because he told me he believed in me. And he told me, Victor, you will be the person that replaces the great John and Ernestine Jenkins. I have to say that together because that's a package deal. John and Ernestine Jenkins in this position. And thank you, Mrs. Jenkins, for your support of me in this position. I have a commendation that I want to read that I prepared for Mr. Al Brooks, and I'm going to read it in its entirety. I think it's very appropriate. Whereas Mr. Al Brooks served with distinction as the president and chair of the African-American Democratic Party from 2012 until his death, he worked tirelessly protecting the rights of and empowering black people while also being instrumental in numerous campaigns helping many Prince William County Democratic leaders in their elections. And whereas Mr. Brooks worked closely with historic figures such as A. Philip Randolph, leader during the Civil Rights Movement, 1968 to 1975, and the American Labor Movement, 1987 to 1989. Nelson Rockefeller, governor of New York and later vice president of the United States, 1968 to 1975. Thurgood Marshall, associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States and chief counsel of the National Association for the Advancement of the Colored People in the NAACP, 1963, 1980. And William Coleman, U.S. Secretary of Transportation, NAACP's National Legal Committee and co-chair, a co-author of the legal brief and Brown versus Board of Education, 1975 to 1979. And whereas Mr. Brooks was a member of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, served as a community organizer involving equal employment opportunity, house, housing equality, equal participation benefits and services, and was an active member of the Prince William County Democratic Committee for more than a decade, serving as the vice chair of the Neapsco Magisterial District Democratic Committee. Now, therefore, be it resolved that by the authority vested in me as the Neapsco Magisterial District Supervisor and on behalf of the Prince William Board of County Supervisors, I hereby command posthumously the service of Mr. Al Brooks as a civil rights icon who advocated for better opportunities for black people and expressed the board's appreciation for his contributions to Prince William County, the Commonwealth of Virginia, and the United States of America. Signed, Victor S. Angle. Thank you. Join me in giving a warm welcome to the Honorable Baba Latif, MD, who's also chairman at large of Prince William County School Board. He will be followed by Monique Ralston, chairperson of the Neabsco Magisterial District Democratic Committee. Thank you, Mr. Toomey. Appreciate it, sir. I'd like to, uh, Ms. Lori Williams and Ms. Lily Jesse to join me up here as well, and Ms. Argapur, they're members of the school board. I can't have the County Board of Supervisors outdo me, um, but we, we do have them here, and uh, we have uh, some words from Ms. Williams and Ms. Jesse as well. Uh, Tammy Lambert, thank you for allowing me to, to, to do that. We'll keep it short and sweet. Um, 
Pastor Lundy, thank you for opening this church up for me. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I don't have a stack of towels over here to help with my sweat. And if you have a chance to join the Ebenezer congregation, you'll see his passion and love for God every Sunday. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a wet, it's a wet event. And, uh, and thank you, Pastor Lundy, for opening up the church. Um, the community is a dem is democratic only when the humblest and weakest person can enjoy the highest civil economic and social rights that the biggest and most powerful possess. A. Philip Randolph. Al reminded me of these words all the time. Al Brooks would keep us spellbound with his stories of his work with A. Philip Randolph or his meeting with Brother Malcolm X. You all have heard many tributes to Al Brooks today, and I hope you'll remember them all. But if you don't, I want you all to come away with one thing you should all remember about Al. He taught me this, and he expected this of me all the time. You know, I was always well-dressed, well-spoken, but most importantly, well-prepared. He did not just bring his A-game to every event. He brought his A-game to every moment of his life. Think about that. As you ponder your time without, you'll remember that he always brought his A-game. For those of you who did not know him well, please learn today that bringing your A-game to every moment in life will ensure you are a difference maker. And you will make sure upon your death, people will be praying for you far and wide. He helped elect me school board chair in back-to-back -back elections. He expected my A-game all the time. I will continue to try to live up to his expectations. He always reminded me that I lost my first election in 2010 because I didn't ask for his help. And, 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 and the only other person who reminds me of that is Pastor Lundy because I didn't come to this church in 2010. And so each season or each year, I like to come to Pastor Lundy's church, not once, but twice, twice. I will leave you with a quote from Brother Malcolm X. Education is the passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to those who pre prepare for it today. Always, Al always kept me prepared. At this time, I'll turn it over to the Honorable School Board Member Lori Williams of the Woodbridge District and the Honorable School Board Member Lily Jesse of the Occoquan District. Thank you all. Um, thank you all for uh, allowing me to speak and for having a moment. Um, I'm, I'm much better at the dais behind the school board meeting than I am here. Um, I took a moment today to, well, really, it's been a while reflecting on my uh, journey to where I am now and how integral Al played a part in that. I don't know how many people didn't know, but I had never run for anything. Like, I don't even run in real life. When they, <laughs> I got a call to run for school board by the Democratic Party. And they put me before a board and they said, okay, well, we'll help you if you decide to do it. And I said, well, I already spoke. They didn't pick me, but if you give me support, sure. And then I got a call from uh, Willie Tony and Albert Brooks and, and they said, we're going to help you help you. And I was like, well, what is the difference? And it took no time to realize the difference. Al said, I'll meet you down the street from your house. And I said, okay. And I showed up and he showed up in his traditional suit and bow tie and I had this van, it's a voter registration, it tells you where to knock, what doors. And he said, um, young lady, put that back in your car. And I said, but they told me. He said, no, 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 young lady, put that back in your car. Let me teach you about your district. Let me teach you how to talk to the constituents in your neighborhood and why that's important. Let me show you how to do that. 
And I think that that is the most impactful thing that I have remembered consistently through my journey. And I want to make sure that I say that I am eternally grateful for those times, for the wisdom that he shared, the stories that he shared. Everybody knows his stories, but I could not get enough of them. I am a lover of history and I am a lover of youth and education. I know they're telling me to go, so I'm gonna wrap it up. So what I wanted to say is that Al is a great man and a good human being, and I will do my best to honor his legacy by continuing to be there, be present on the school board, but to do what I do best, and that is to pass the knowledge that he has given me to the next generation. And my children, so you know me, I said, Mr. Brooks passed away. And they said, Mommy, not the man with the fancy suit. And I said, yes. And they said, Mom, please go and tell them that we loved him and that he was nice. And in my home, I have pictures of Mr. Brooks, not with us as elected officials, but with children. So thank you. I uh, had no intentions of running for anything. I had been a principal for 20 years. A lot of people knew me there. I had done King MLK for 17 years before thousands of people, and they knew me. And then one morning, I received this call from Miss Clarice Torian, who said, pretty much, you've been called. And my response was like, called by whom? And she said, you've been called to serve. And I um, had to think about it because I had been serving 17 years in MLK and thought I was gonna have another path, but I had been called and I knew I had been when she called me. And I knew a lot about education. I mean. I was, I came from the cotton fields of South Carolina, so I knew how to work. And I came from a school that had no cafeteria. So I knew what segregation was like. So I knew that I could do the job, but I knew nothing about politics and was very naive about it. And I think that, uh, not Clarice, I think Harry Wiggins and the rest knew they had to call out the cavalry to help me, and I had no idea what a van was. I thought it was a, a car. And then people started talking about things like your universe. I knew nothing. And I realized that uh, one of the things I've learned in life is when you know, you know when you don't know. And I had to listen. And so there were people who helped me along the road. I, I kind of look at life as there's a puzzle. There are four parts the corner pieces. There were some corner pieces in my life. And there were people who saw things in me that I didn't see in myself, like Clarice Torian and various people. So those four corner pieces, when I look at the corner pieces, one of those pieces was Clarice. Another piece was Harry Wiggins and Luke Torian and Ernie Porter. And another piece was Ernestine Jenkins. I don't think she realized or forgot that she met me at this Italian restaurant, gave me lists of names, and John helped me. And then 
I met the other corner, and that was Al Brooks. Uh, you know, my house is on a hill. So I would look down the hill, and there was this man in his car, and he always had a white shirt on. And he would say, um, okay. He talked, he didn't just say at the table when he talked to me, he talked about his favorite phrase to me was our people. We have to put our people. He said, I want you to be one of our people. And to that end, he knew I'd do nothing. And he took me from door to door. And I thought, well, I've been, you know, I've been a principal and I did MLK. Everybody knows me. He said, no, they don't. He took me in some neighborhood. Do you know this lady? They said, no. He, we were at the, I worked with him at the uh, DMV. And he said, this is Miss Jessie. This is Lily Jessie. Do you know Lily Jessie? No, I don't know Lily Jessie. You need to know Lily Jessie. Because he knew that people knew me, but he knew that the right people, the people who were going to vote for me, need to know me. Another piece of the puzzle for all of you out here as Democrats are the churches, the black churches. So yeah, I was a regular at Ebenezer. And I took candidates from churches to churches. So that was another piece. And so I ended up being like Lori. We thought the board was going to select us as chair beyond the board, but they didn't. And we had to unseat people. So I had to unseat a Republican. And it happened so quickly because of Al Brooks and the various people who helped me. But Al, at 6.30, I had unseated the first, the Republican, the only Republican uh, in the district, and not the only Republican, but the, in this district in Occoquan, it was all Republican. I unseated him at 6.30, not because of Lily Jesse, because of who she knew, but because of your husband who made me, know, made me known to people. And so I was the first person elected on the board. He wanted local. I was one of the first people. Then that was followed by Lori. Lori, Lisa, and I have now had the honor of selecting the first African-American superintendent in Prince William County Public Schools. Never thought we'd be able to do that, too. Hmm? Okay, time. Okay, so with that, I want to say to you guys, thank you. Thank you, Al Brooks. And I'm sorry I went over time. But this man gave time to me. Thank you. I'd like to call up Mrs. Ernestine Jenkins and Ms. Margie Odom. And any other members of the Neapsco District, please. Good afternoon, everyone. Pastor Lundy, Mrs. Brooks and the family. On behalf of the Neapsco Magisterial District Democratic Committee, it is a pleasure to be here today to honor 
Mr. Albert E. Brooks, who served as our vice chair in the APSCO for many, many years. As I stated, I'm joined by Mrs. Ernestine Jenkins, who served as our chair for more than 30 years, as well as Ms. Margie Odin, our honorary parliamentarian. Each year, the Neapsco Democratic Committee will honor a community member with the Albert E. Brooks Civil Rights Award. The Albert E. Brooks Award will be presented to a Prince William County community leader in recognition of their dedication to advancing civil rights, voter rights, voter registration, and justice in their daily work. Their commitment to freedom will exemplify what it truly means to serve and organize our Prince William County community. The honoree will carry on Mr. Brooks' call to live a life filled with justice, service, and love. Mrs. Jenkins. And I would like to read our honorary of the first person who will be presented this award to is Mrs. Albert, Mrs. Barbara Brooks. Could you come forward? The first annual commemorative Albert E. Brooks Senior Award is proudly presented to Mrs. Barbara Brooks in honor of her support and years of dedication in the quest for civil rights and voter education. Neabsco Magisterial District Democratic Committee, July 17th. 2021. Good evening. On behalf of the Neapsco District Committee, we are honored to speak on um, behalf of our friend, Albert Brooks. Al Brooks to us had a vision that all men and women should be treated equal and have a seat at the table to help enact laws that affected us all. Al Brooks dedicated his life for equality so that all people could have a seat at the table. Al Brooks knew that the laws must reflect the community. Most of you know that Al Brooks worked all day, six days a week at the Cape Hill DMV, talking to voters, telling them his life stories, and educating potential voters on the importance of voting. Numerous voters came out of the DMV as a result of Al Brooks reaching out to them and talking to them. We saw Al stand up to opposition. Al looked opposition in the eye 
and did not let opposition deter him. Al kept on fighting. Al Brooks got down in the trenches with, for all of us. The trenches would teach you how to win. That's what Al Brooks taught us how to win. He taught us how to run a campaign, how to form a working team. He taught us how to approach people. He taught us how to knock on doors and talk to people. He taught us how to talk about the importance of voting. Al showed us how to connect with voters. As an example, Al said for us, Al always connected with candidates. Al always brought candidates before the people so the people could see and learn something about the candidates. It is important to know your candidate. It was not unusual to see Al sitting beside a candidate at an event or in someone's church on a Sunday morning. It is because of the fight of Al Brooks for civil rights and equality for all men and women that we established the Al Brooks Scholarship Award. Al Brooks dedicated his life for you, 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 and me. We are, I am truly, I truly believe that God will, is well pleased with the work he assigned Al Brooks to do. Thank you, Al Brooks, and thank you, Ms. Barbara Brooks, for all that you and Mr. Brooks have done for us. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming to stage with a brief presentation. Brief, brief presentation of Mr. Right. Emmett Yeah, we'll try to real short, I know because of time. A lot of unplanned things. I know. This is the Prince William County Black Democratic Committee. I have the president of the Democratic Committee, Black Democratic Committee, Mrs. Michi Ono. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Michi Namaha Ono. We always forget the middle part. So that's okay. I did change my name. <laughs> okay, so this is a gift to the Brooks family in remembrance of Al Brooks' loyal dedication and is presented by the Prince William Black Democratic uh, Committee. And the photographer was Mike Beatty. Um, we, do, we do have a picture but we're, we're going to keep it still. And um, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay. I have a letter from the Honorable L. Douglas Wilder, uh, the 66th governor of Virginia. And it's personal. And uh, I will give this to the Brooks family at a, later on after the program. Do the time. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Fletcher and Ms. Nietzsche. I'd like to bring to the podium now the past president of the 
Prince William County Democratic Committee, a person who had many, many, many conversations with Al. Some, sometimes he left smiling and other times he just left. <laughs> Mr. Harry Wiggins. Thanks, Willie. And, uh, you know, all those uh, breakfasts and lunches that I bought for you and, uh, and uh, Al, you know, I need a payback at some point. Uh, yeah, I was uh, chair of the uh, Prince William County Democratic Committee from uh, 2012 to 2018. And it was uh, bad times at the t uh, when I became chair. Uh, of the 33 state and county positions, elected positions in, the, uh, in Prince William County, in 2012, five were Democrats and 28 were Republicans. Today, I'm pleased to report that 27 are Democrats and six are Republicans. And those of you who have been elected would not be here today and would not be elected if it wasn't for the work of Al Brooks. In the, uh, we lost the absentee, Democrats lost the absentee vote in 14 of the 15 years prior to 2008. 14, we lost 40, since 2008, we've won the absentee vote every year, thanks to Al Brooks. I, I, Al Brooks, first day of early voting, September 21st, 2018. You'll notice it was raining. You'll notice that Al Brooks was in his suit with his bow tie and white shirt at the DMV. Uh, I have a, a bunch of anecdotal stories. You know, Al, uh, Al was at the DMV and invariably... Sometime during the uh, the period of, of early voting or absentee voting at the time, now early voting, I would get a call from Al that the police are here. You need to get over here. And uh, Al was uh, Al was uh, contentious with the the other side. Let me say that um, he was accused of being a terrorist, in fact, by uh, one of the Republicans who went in and reported to the DMV manager that there's a, there's a terrorist outside of the DMV. You need to call the police right away. Al was the terrorist. Um, but Al was, Al was my friend, although at times we disagreed. Al, in fact, has told me in the past, I'm going to take you out, meaning... The next day, we'd be hugging. And of course, there were times when, when Al and I disagreed on things, I'd go over to make up at his house, he wouldn't answer the door. Uh, but Willie often intervened in those uh, little discussions. Uh, the first, the, we, were, we were on the, I knew we were on the upside with Al's help. Uh, Jackie Smith, special election, 
one became clerk of the court. Al did it. Al's uh, contention with Republicans was renowned at the DMV, I have to tell you. Uh, the Republicans stood at the entrance at the DMV rather than the 40-foot you know, requirement. So Al bought a can of spray paint and painted the 40-foot line on, at the DMV. Uh, and why did Al do it? Al did it because of this, this. This is 2012 at Potomac Middle School when the last vote was cast at 11.46 p.m. And it happened because the Republican-controlled uh, electoral board at the time took voting machines out of Potomac Middle School and moved them to Heritage Hunt. So everyone really, every elected person, every Democrat, every citizen of Prince William County owes Al Brooks a, just a, a lot of gratitude. And I, I'd like to just read out some names. And if you have, if you're here, please stand up and remain seating. Jeremy, Jeremy McPike, Scott Servell, John Bell, George Barker, Candy King, Elizabeth Guzman, she was here on the left, Dan Helmer, Luke Torian, Paula Ayala, Danica Rome, Amy Ashworth, Jackie Smith, Barbara Latif, Billy Jesse, Justin Wilk, Lori Williams, Lisa Zagapur, Diane Ralston, Adele Jackson, Ann Wheeler, Kenny Bodie, Andrea Bailey, Margaret Franklin, Will Littner, Mar I always butcher this one, Marsha Ram, Colon, Tiziano, Botino. These are the elected Democrats in Prince William County at the, at the state and county level. And it is so, if you are standing, you're standing because of Al Brooks. I have uh, tons of anecdotal stories about Al because we spent a lot of time together at the DMV. We spent a lot of time at his house strategizing on how we were going to go from five Demo elected Democrats to today, 27 elected Democrats controlling the school board, controlling the board of county supervisors, controlling the General Assembly, both the Senate and the House, controlling the three statewide elected positions. It's critical that everyone get out and vote this November because what can happen, Prince William could, or the, Virginia could look just like Texas with voter suppression. If we don't control the agenda in Richmond, we will look exactly what is going on in Texas and voter suppression will be the thing and early voting will be a thing of the past. So with that said, I want to thank Barbara particularly for lending us Al Brooks to make the change in this county that was greatly, greatly needed and long overdue. Thank you.
All right, we'd like to invite Mr. Rafi Uden Ahmed, president of the Muslim Association of Virginia, followed by Honorable Michael Futrell, former member of House of Delegates, and Honorable Derek Wood, mayor town of Dumfries. I bring you greetings of peace. So in keeping with the tradition, I'm gonna invite some of my members. So Mayor Tony, we each get five minutes too, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to invite some of my members who were, had the pleasure of working uh, with Al Brooks, uh, Sister Talaba, Raheel Sheikh, Aisha Sheikh, um, Sister uh, Khatija Atman, and Yasin Rutrell, come on up. And I'm also going to invite uh, Mike Bizak, come on up. So the reason why I'm inviting all of these people is to prove a point and the statement, Anton, that you made about your dad, some of his characteristics, he not only just worked with the African-American people, he worked with people all faith and all color. Look at Mike, he is not an African-American. I am a Muslim and the rest of these are my Muslim brothers and sisters. And we enjoyed a very strong tie with Albert. So I want to extend my gratitude to the, uh, the Burke family for making him available for the community because not one individual, no individual can do this without the help of their family. If he did not have your support, he would not have been able to accomplish some of the the highlights that many of the elected officials and others have projected here about his accomplishments. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for making him available and supporting him uh, through the, the work that he has performed. So I will, um, I can share many stories about Al, uh, some of the projects that we worked on uh, together. Al and I, the first time I ever met with Al was after the uh, 2012 elections. We all remember the, the pregnant chats, the hanging chats. We all remember them, right? So the Prince William County Board of Supervisors had created a, a, a bipartisan election task force. This is where I met Al Works, along with Harry Wigan, and Michael Futrell. And when Al, uh, when Harry talked about that, how passionate Al could get, believe me, when we were in that room, things got hot. Things got really hot. And Al never backed down. He spoke for the minorities. He made sure that we all, you know, everybody's rights were preserved. And if you next time when you go into a, a voting booth to, to vote, you can thank Al also and some of these members who were on that bipartisan task force because our job was to analyze what were the issues, what broke down. Because Harry spoken about the last polling station closed at 11 something, right Harry? So we, we looked at to see where the breakdowns were and we determined it was the equipment. And so we made a recommendation to the board 
uh, and to the uh, election board also. Uh, and uh, so some of the some of the the equipment upgrade, and also when it comes to why we can vote early. Before you had to lie a lot of time if you wanted to vote early and you didn't have a a, a good excuse. So it was through Al Book's leadership, and Al did not back down, you know? And after that, Al and I, we developed a, a relationship. Al's, we all, you know, we heard about, about his DMV uh, uh, presence, and I ran into Al one time at DMV, and he spoke about, hey, what, can we come to your mosque and do some, some uh, registration, voter registration? I, I say it's fine, and we did that. So I, I'm, I'm being shown the red card, so I'll conclude here. I, I can go on. But the most important thing that I want to leave here with you guys is Al and I, we met and we spoke about the, the Prince William County was the only county that was a minority majority. But if you looked at the, the leadership of Prince William County at that time, it did not reflect that diversity. And Al and I, we used to sit down and we used to talk about no one minority group would be able to accomplish this goal by itself. Al and I, we, we used to talk about how we can collaborate and um, just concluding and how we can bring the diversity. And thanks God that we have a wonderful board now. Uh, Mr. Angry was the first African-American elected. And so thank you I, again from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much for the Brooks family. And I wanna thank everything that Al Brooks has done for this community. Thank you. Well, amen. So let me tell y'all about the time that Al Brooks fired me. Uh, and that's a true story. So what I want you to understand is that when I moved to the area in 2009, 2010, like many of you uh, at the time, I was inspired by a young man running for president named Barack Obama. And so I wanted to become more active. As I, as I got active in the community, what had happened was there were people talking to me about, hey, have you ever thought about running for office? And I was like, nah, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have time for the back and forth. I see a problem, I create a solution, and then we move on. And they were like, well, that's why we want you to run. And I was like, I oh, will think about it. So people were coming to me saying, well, we want you to run for this. We want you to run for that. And they're telling me all of these different things. And I had a conversation with Harry Wiggins and uh, some of the others. They were like, well, we want you to run for uh, the, the county board of supervisors. Others were saying, we want you to run for the state house. You know, all of these things. And I said, okay, well, I'm not really sure what to do. And they said, well, right now, let's just worry about staying active, right? Let's stay active in the community. And we were doing a voter registration drive. And so Harry had reached out to me and he said, uh, we've got you working as creating this Young Democrats of Prince William County. It hadn't existed, right? And he said, uh, we want you to, to run that. So I'm running that. And then one day he called me and said, well, check this out. We want to create 
uh, we're working on creating a African-American Democratic club. And I've got a gentleman named Al Brooks. Uh, he's got a great history. We want him to be a part of it. Uh, but we'd also like you to assist with that and help with the African-American Democratic club. And I was like, absolutely. You know, I'm here to help wherever I can do. And I remember Al showed up. We were having a voter registration drive at the uh, uh, Garfield. And we were doing it at a Kappa basketball tournament. And he sat down, and like many of you, he told us so many stories, A. Philip Randolph, and having to carry his pistol with him everywhere that he went, right? Having to go through all of these trials and tribulations. And I remember I was so excited. I went home and I called my dad, and I was like, you know, I wasn't quite sure what sort of person I wanted to be in this political realm, but I think I just found the blueprint. And so as soon as I said that, he was like, great. And I'm telling him about Al and all these things are great. And things are moving. And then I got an email from Al said, we appreciate all that you and the young Dems are doing. Uh, but us with the African-American Democratic Club, we are going to move in a different direction. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what just happened? <laughs> right? So I text him and I remember Al and I see here's something that nobody else knows. Right. We had a, a back and forth. And so Al and I, one day we were sitting there and we were talking and he said, you know, you need to understand, I've got to do things my way. I know what it is that I'm trying to accomplish and I've got to do it my way. He said, I want you to understand, I like you. I like you a lot. And he said, but what I need to get done, I have to do it my way. Now, I appreciate your help, but again, this is how it has to go. I said, you said, say no more. And so we were sitting there and we were talking and we started working back and forth on a bunch of different things. And I'll never forget the one time I had an opportunity. They were doing a presentation of, uh, uh, of Porter Pullman Blues. And I called out and said, I've got two tickets to Arena Stage. So that way we can go in and we can see this play about A. Philip Randolph. Will you go with me? And I spent the entire evening with Al Brooks. And there were so many stories. He was telling me, we were talking about his father who was a preacher. And he was talking about his faith. And he said, you know what? But I think, you know, the preacher skipped me. It may have went to my sons, but it skipped me, right? But he said, I, I do love God. And so we got to talk about so many different things. And so uh, even though we would have back-to-backs of these conversations, what happened was it always ended with solutions of how we could move forward to make a difference. And so one day when I called Al and I said, Al, I've got people that are telling me they want me to run for office. They want me to run for the Board of Supervisors, but I think I want to run for the House. I said, but they keep telling me, you know, nobody as young as me has ever beaten an incumbent. Nobody black has ever beaten an incumbent. And Stafford County, in its 250 years of existence, has never had an African-American represented in the House of Delegates. And I said, so, but they say that I'm better off running for the House. What do you think, Al? He said, Watch this. And I'll never forget, he went up to Mark Dudenheffer, who was the person who currently held the seat. And just like he told Harry, he told him, we're going to take you out. Not only did he say it, but he backed it up with his actions. So when the NAACP called me and said, we're putting up this mural to the accomplishments of African-Americans in Stafford County over these 350 years, we want you to know that your picture is going up on this mural because you are the first person to represent us. And after I had that conversation, I hung up. The first person I called was not my wife, was not my father. The first person that I called was Albert Brooks. Because what I knew to be true is I wouldn't have been there without him. 
And just like all of you, you heard Ari talk about the ones that stand up that are elected now. And there's a bunch of us who already held these titles because of what Al did. There are people who are able to run in seats that before people said could not be won, but because of Al Brooks, we were able to be successful. When I look at Derek Wood and I look at what Dumfries has done, that is because of Willie Tony and Al Brooks. So I know this, this day people say, well, you know, it's running long. Well, guess what? That's because of the work that that man put in. So people can't help but to get up here and to talk about how great he was. Amen. So as I leave this stage, I want you guys to understand. So very often you hear me say, if you don't have a seat at the table, that means you're on the menu. Well, Al got us to the table. Now it's time for us to start setting the menu. Amen. So now it is not about where he's gotten us. It is time for us to go from being the Moses generation to being the Joshua generation. It is time for us to walk into our promised lands that Al has delivered for us. And now it's time to move forward. So I thank you guys for allowing me to be a part of this. I thank you for everything that your husband and your father has meant not to just the community as a whole, but personally to my family. I thank you. We love you. And we look forward to what the future is going to bring because of what he's done. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, we'd also like to acknowledge as uh, my mayor, Mr. Derek Woods, make his way to the podium. I'd like to acknowledge the president of a past president of the NAACP, Mr. Raph Smith. He's in the room. Thank you, Ralph. I'd like to ask the Dumfries Town Council to come stand behind me since everybody else said, come on, I got my vice mayor here, got my other councilwomen. But um, this is, this is, has this been a grand occasion today? You know, one of, one of my mentors often told me the greatest tragedy in life is not death. Greatest tragedy is to live your life without purpose. Al applied pressure until the day he died. And I, I, when I think about pressure, pressure do the same thing to, as it does to a pipe. It busts pipes and make diamonds. And not only did Al Brook bust the pipes of the system here in Prince William County, but to us, he became the diamond that's going to shine through each and every one of us all the days of our lives. And so because of that, I'm, I'm just remembered and I, I, you know, I get the privilege of summing up all the, everything you heard here today and, and to just sum up all the stories that he shared from, uh, and I think the one that just sticks out the most is I think why he likes kids so much is because when he was a young man and he was on the wrong path, it was a man that came to him, Malcolm X, and knew his daddy and called his daddy to keep him up out of that trouble. And they sent him away for them years to come back. And I think he took that and he took to a lot of young people all those lives. And we had the great privilege a couple of years ago, you know, to honor him with the unsung hero. We gave him a medal in the town of Dumfries. And I think this council is going to stand with me on October 13th to uh, declare in the town of Dumfries Al Brooks Day. Come that. Because he is and he will continue to be our unsung hero. And so uh, I don't think it's nothing more we can say outside of that because we, we love him and we can go on talking about him all day long and you know that. So we thank you. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I want to leave, it, it, 
it wasn't one time that I think Al didn't sit down and he didn't mention his wife, Barbara Brooks. And, and you could tell a lot by a man. You know, every time he came to get food, he said, I'm taking a fish sandwich home to my wife. Let me get so he made sure that you had a fish sandwich. And so you, you always can tell a man not by just what the community say, by what his family says about him. And so we honor and salute all of you today for your service and your sacrifice for giving your dad to us. So thank you. Now we will have a musical selection by one Caesar Roy III. Please give him a round of applause. Accompanied by his daughter, Melanie. Good afternoon, everyone. I first of all have to apologize for being late. Your GPS says one hour and 27 minutes. Traffic says two hours and 23 minutes. So anyway, we're here. And thank my, Mel my daughter Melody for coming and, and taking up the slack for me. She did not know these songs. I have the words here. <laughs> they were with me while she was singing. So, but I'm sure she did a wonderful job. Um, I was a Dumfries resident for quite a while. I met Mr. Willie Tony. We were working at the Lorton prison. We were both slim and pretty. I'm still pretty. I don't know about Tony, but uh, <laughs> Tony used to be a quarterback and I was a wide receiver. He now he came through a piece of trash in the trash can and I can't run nothing but my mouth. So, <laughs> hey, that's all right. Okay. I need all y'all to accompany me a little bit. We're gonna do a song that was written in 1970, um, performed and produced in 1971 by Marvin Gaye. I just found out today um, that um, it was written by Al Gardner, Ronaldo Benson, and uh, Marvin Gaye. Ronaldo Benson was a singer. He actually ended up being the bass singer for the Four Tops, but um, he witnessed an instance of brutality and that's how he got the words and inspiration for this song. So it wasn't just, you know, money. And it's very relevant. It was written in 1971. It's now 2021, and it's still relevant today. So I need you guys to help me just do this right here. Not too fast. That's good. Sing along if you know the words. Mother, mother. There's too many of you crying. Brother, brother, brother. There's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father. We don't need to escalate. War is not the answer, because only love can conquer hate. You see, love found a way to bring some loving here today. Picket lines, 
And picket signs, sister, don't punish me sister. with brutality. Sister. Come on, talk to me, sister, so you can see sister. what's going on. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I'll tell you on? what's going on. What's going Ooh. on? La 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 na 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 na. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Remember that? Okay. Mother, mother. I don't hear no fingers clapping, man. What's you off beat, friend. <laughs> We're wrong. But who are they to judge us simply because our hair is long? You know, we've got to find a way to bring some understanding to today. Picket lines, brother, and picket signs, brother. Don't punish me brother. with brutality, brother. Come on, talk to me, brother, so you can see. Ooh. Oh, what's going on? 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 What's Tell going me on? what's going on. What's going on? La 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 That's enough. <laughs> hey, um, I sang last night till about two in the morning, and my good friend from of 40 years, Willie Tony, was right there. I was singing in the club last night till two in the morning. Tony's right there. So he's gonna fall asleep any minute now. But it's an honor to be here, Mrs. Brooks and family. Um, I met Al Brooks years ago. I barely remember him, but I remember him. And um, it's an honor to be here, to, to just do a little bit for him. Wish could have been here earlier. All right. And everyone else, y'all important, but so am I, goddamn. <laughs> Thank you, Caesar and Melody. Melody. Excuse me, Melody. Father and son. <laughs> um, thank you all for your patience. I lost a bit. Um, Tammy, I lost a bit. You get lunch. All right. Uh, but again, it's been an eventful evening, afternoon. Those of you who have stayed with us, I think I get on this side, so I thank you. But I'd like, uh, before we end, there's a couple of things left. Brief. We'd like to ask Antoine one more time if he would come up and say a few words in representing his family. Yeah. Keep it short. Um, first, I'd like to just have some things going on. One, I got to thank my children. It's very difficult for little people to sit still and quiet this long, especially the little tiny ones. But um, they wanted to come and support. Just the other night when I was putting the girls in the bed, my daughter looked very sad, and she said, I miss granddad, and gave her a hug. So she definitely wanted to be here today. And my son gave and um, the little one, Shiloh, of course, my wife, Mary, my brother, Albert, and my mom. We all thank you, um, and also the rest of our family. Uh, my sister, Elise, who cannot be here again, she's in China. Um, we want to thank Pastor Lundy and all the congregation of Ebenezer Baptist Church. I want to thank all the dignitaries for all the kind words and love that you've shown my father. Um, apparently, he has touched far more people than we even knew. Um, so we thank you. 
Um, we thank the Democratic African American Club for um, putting on this event and you know just hosting us. We're so thankful. Um, and, and the last thing I want to say is I this is only the second time in my life I've worn a bow tie. And um, I went over to my mother's house today and I dug through my dad's uh, bow ties, me and my brother. So we are wearing bow ties and, and to honor my father. Um, also have his watch on. My mom said, go in the room. This is earlier. She said, go in the room and, and, and get something your father. This is about right after my father passed. So this is his watch. So I'll always cherish it, you know, just the way you guys cherish him. So thank you again. We love you. And um, I hope to be able to speak to some of you guys in the future, women in lit, not guys, gals and gentlemen, um, sometime in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Antoine. Again, um, before we close, there's a couple of things that's necessary. I think that uh, we need to acknowledge a couple of people who put a lot into bringing this to fruition. Before I do that, I was made aware that we have been joined by the Deputy County Executive, Mr. Elijah Johnson. Mr. Johnson, are you in the building? Could you? Okay. 